Section 12 of the Journal of Lewis and Clark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Kirby. The Journal of Lewis and Clark by Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Chapter 10. End of War, Pipe of Peace, Mode of Presenting It, Bearing the War Club or Hatchet, Belt of Wampum, of what made, etc. Accidents sometimes contribute to bring about a peace between nations that otherwise could not be prevailed on to listen to terms of accommodation. Sometimes the Indians grow tired of a war which they have carried on against some neighboring nation for many years without much success, and in this case they seek for mediators to begin a negotiation. These being obtained, the treaty is thus conducted. A number of their own chiefs, joined by those who have accepted the friendly office, set out together for their enemy's country. Such as are chosen for this purpose are chiefs of the most extensive abilities, and of the greatest integrity. They bear before them the pipe of peace, which I need not inform my readers, is of the same nature as a flag of truce among the Americans, and is treated with the greatest respect and veneration, even by the most barbarous nations. I never heard of an instance wherein the bearers of this sacred badge of friendship were ever treated disrespectfully, or its rights violated. The Indians believe that the Great Spirit never suffers an infraction of this kind to go unpunished. The pipe of peace, which is termed by them Calmet, for what reason I could never learn, is about four feet long. The bowl of it is made of red marble, and the stem of it of a light wood curiously painted with hieroglyphies in various colors, and adorned with feathers, of the most beautiful birds, but it is not in my power to convey an idea of the various tints and pleasing ornaments of this much-esteemed Indian implement. Every nation has a different method of decorating these pipes, and they can tell at first sight to what band it belongs. It's used as an introduction to all treaties. The assistant or aide-de-camp of the great warrior, when the chiefs are assembled and seated, fills it with tobacco mixed with herbs, taking care at the same time that no part of it touches the ground. When it is filled, he takes a coal that is thoroughly kindled from a fire that is generally kept burning in the midst of the assembly and places it on the tobacco. As soon as it is sufficiently lighted, he throws off the coal. He then turns the stem of it towards the heavens, after this towards the earth, and now, holding it horizontally, moves himself round till he has completed a circle. By the first action he is supposed to present it to the great spirit, whose aid is thereby supplicated, by the second to avert any malicious interposition of the evil spirits, and by the third to gain the protection of the spirits inhabiting the air, the earth, and the waters. Having thus secured the favor of these invisible agents, in whose power they suppose it is either to forward or obstruct the issue of their present deliberations, he presents it to the hereditary chief, who having taken two or three whiffs, blows the smoke from his mouth, first towards heaven, and then around him upon the ground. It is afterwards put in the same manner into the mouths of the ambassadors or strangers, who observe the same ceremony, then to the chief of the warriors, and then to all other chiefs in turn, according to their gradation. During this time, the person who executes this honorable office holds the pipe slightly in his hand, as if he feared to press the sacred instrument, nor does anyone presume to touch it but with his lips. When the chiefs who are instructed with the commission for making peace approach the town or camp to which they are going, they begin to sing and dance the songs and dances appropriated to this occasion. 
By this time the adverse party are praised of their arrival, and, at the sight of the pipe of peace divesting themselves of their wanton enmity, invite them to the habitations of the great chief, and furnish them with every conveniency during the negotiation. A council is then held, and when the speeches and debates are ended, if no obstructions arise to put a stop to the treaty, the painted hatchet is buried in the ground, as a memorial that all animosities between the contending nations have ceased, and a peace has taken place. Among the ruder bands, such as have no communication with the Americans, a war club painted red is buried, instead of the hatchet. A belt of wampum is also given on this occasion, which serves as a ratification of the peace, and records to the latest posterity by the hieroglyphics into which the beads are formed every stipulated article in the treaty. These belts are made of shells found on the coasts of New England and Virginia, which are sawed out into beads of an oblong form, about a quarter of an inch long, and round like other beads. Being strung on leathery strings, and several of them sewed neatly together with fine sinewy threads, they then compose what is termed a belt of wampum. The shells are generally of two colors, some white and others violet, but the latter are more highly esteemed than the former. They are held in as much estimation by the Indians as gold or silver or precious stones are by the Americans. The belts are composed of ten, twelve, or a greater number of strings, according to the importance of the affair in agitation, or the dignity of the person to whom it is presented. On more trifling occasions, strings of these beads are presented by the chiefs to each other, and frequently worn by them about their necks as a valuable ornament. End of section 12